Good morning, Oak Hills family. I am from the campus in Fredericksburg. Uh, if I happen to lay an egg during this service, my name is Miguel Fedia. If something meaningful happens, my name is Jimmy Sportsman, and it is, a, it is an honor to be here with you today. It has been glorious. I, I've had the privilege of, of being a part now of four of these incredible services. Actually, well, three of them instrumental, but all four services have just been a huge blessing to my heart. And it's just been hard to try not to sing with this group four times to reserve some voice for uh, the time and actually God gives me to teach. But uh, it's just been a joy. I feel like every single time that Jeff and, and the worship team has given me the ball on the two-yard line, and my job is just don't fumble it, all right? And you'll get it in. Uh, so let's pray that God does that this morning. I really haven't had time because of, of the time constraints that we have to be able to pray before the message, so I would like to ask you, would you bow with me, please? Lord God, wow, it has just been a joy to be uh, with family. Thank you for what you've done in the music, in these voices. Thank you what you've done in the supper. Uh, we want you to come be with us. And we are grateful that you love to do that whenever two or more are gathered in your name. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Please take this sack lunch of a message and turn it into a great feast like you did so many years ago. Open it, break it, uh, pass it out, Father, in a way in which we can leave here looking a little bit more like Jesus than we did when we came in. And all the church said, Amen. My daughter called me last night and said, Dad, how'd you do? I said, well, they gave me 15 minutes to speak, and I went 10 minutes over. I guess you could say I exceeded everyone's expectations. <laughs> I want to start with a question. What is it that falls in the category of irresistible for you? There is much about Christmas that I love. The lights, the music, the food. But in the category of irresistible is one thing, mistletoe. I am a big fan of mistletoe. And if you will visit with me after services are over, you'll see this pretty little thing right over here hanging on my arm, and you'll understand why. She's a dandy. And I'm glad she's been here for all four services. God bless you. <laughs> Never, <laughs> you can applaud. She deserves that. Never mind Christmas for the moment. What is it that whenever it crosses your path, grabs you? What is it that whenever it invades one of your five senses, is your weak spot? What is irresistible? Now, I know for some of you, it's anything that has a 40% off sale sign on it. It doesn't matter what it is or what store it's at. If it's 40% off, you've got to go look at it because you may need that. For some of you, it's the latest invention from Apple. For others of you, it's any sports team playing anything, anywhere. Some of the wives are going, yeah, that's you, buddy. Anything that has Starbucks written on it just grabs your heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, for my daughter, Tabitha, it's chocolate. She loves chocolate. Chocolate is her weak spot. And so it surprised me a couple of years ago whenever she was willing to give it up for Lent. Now, Lent is not an observance that's a traditional part of the sportsman household. But her youth group back in Ruidoso was trying on some different family faith traditions from other faith families in our community. And they were trying on Lent this particular Easter. And so she said, Dad, I want to give up chocolate. She did great. 
for 20 days. <laughs> then on the 21st day, her life skills class was cooking lunch and serving it up to the school, and she was in charge of dessert. And on this particular day, dessert just happened to be chocolate-covered strawberries. That would ruin anybody's lint, wouldn't it? Well, as she was preparing them, she, as she tells the story, she was taking the strawberries out, dipping them in the chocolate, putting it on the wax paper, when one time she took the strawberry out, dipped it in the chocolate, and it accidentally went in her mouth. <laughs> now, about the time that it took for her brain to register, oh, that is so good, her conscience also registered, and what about the Lent commitment? And so she felt guilty. And so she took the strawberry and began to walk over to the trash and was going to throw it in there when all of a sudden another thought entered her brain. Wait a minute. I'm not Catholic. Boom. <laughs> and in it went. True story. There are certain things in our lives that are just flat out irresistible. We can hardly keep ourselves from responding to them. They are our weak spots. Well, the Bible makes it clear that for God, that's faith. It's irresistible to him. It is his number one weak spot. To the point that when he sees it, he can hardly keep himself from it. Now, it sounds a little strange, I think, talking about the almighty God, the omniscient one, the all-powerful God, as having a weak spot. But read the book. It's there. In John chapter 2, he changes his entire miracle agenda because of his mother's faith. Jesus and the disciples are at a wedding, and Mary walks over to him because the host of the wedding, well, she's kind of off on her glass of wine per guest ratio, and they've run out. She walks over to Jesus and says, son, the family's run out of wine. And Jesus says, I believe, with a smile on his face, and what does that have to do with me? It's not time for that yet, the scripture says. Mom's response, she says nothing to Jesus, just turns to one of the servants and says, whatever he tells you, do. And God couldn't help himself. The next thing you know, 120 gallons of H2O have been turned into Merlot. And not just any Merlot. The Bible says the best Merlot, all right? But it wasn't Jesus' time to debut his first miracle. No, but when a mother's faith reached his heart, Jesus found it irresistible because faith is his weak spot. We see it again in Luke chapter 7, a centurion who is not a Jew and therefore not on Jesus' primary healing agenda. He's got a slave that's very, very dear to him and who's very, very sick, close to death. And so he sends a delegation of elders to meet with Jesus. And these elders approach Jesus and say, now I know this is going to sound strange, but this Gentile has really been good to us. No, he's been great to us. He has so loved on our nation, he built us a synagogue. Now, that's, that's strange for any Gentile, but even stranger for a Roman centurion Gentile. Jesus begins making his way toward the centurion's home, and not far from there, another delegation comes to meet him. And the one who is the spokesman of the delegation says, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. It's the reason why I didn't come, first of all, personally, to ask you to come. But you say the word, and I know my servant will be healed because I am a man who understands authority. When I speak to my men, they respond. No questions asked. And so I ask you, say the word. 
the word only, and I know it will be done. And I love what the Bible records next. And Jesus was amazed. Now, it takes a lot to amaze God. The one who makes galaxies in a day, the one who creates sunsets just in his spare time, is amazed. And he says, I've not seen this kind of faith anywhere in the people of God, but I've seen it here. And then he does something next that he's never done before in Scripture, and as far as Scripture records, never did afterwards. He heals from a distance. He sends the delegation back, and when they return home, sure enough, the centurion's servant as well. Wow. In just two stories, we see that Jesus' agenda of miracles his priority of miracles and even his method of miracles is changed because of faith. Because it's his weak spot. Now there's more stories, but I think that's enough for us to get a picture of the fact that God loves this stuff. He loves it. It's irresistible when he sees someone somewhere believe that something that doesn't exist can exist because God exists. Would you say that's a fair definition of faith? It's someone believing that something that doesn't exist can exist because God exists, and we believe that, amen? amen. Well, some of you do. We believe that, amen? amen? Okay, well then you can understand why God's a little giddy beside himself as he listens in on a conversation we find in Luke chapter 1 and verse 34. You know the story. The angel of the Lord appears to Mary and he announces to her she has found favor with God. Now hang on to that. Favor with God. And he also announces that she's been chosen to give birth to God's son. Now Mary's trying to get over being terrified by her first angelic encounter and announcement when all of a sudden it sinks in what her first angelic assignment is, to give birth to a son. And everything she knows about making babies says, that's impossible. We know that because in verse 34 specifically, the scripture says this, how in the world can this be? I have no husband. Now, I don't know what Mary's IQ was, but I do know she knows biology because she knows no husband, no sex, no babies. Now, this is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No husband, no sex, no babies. How is this going to work? The angel responds in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born to you will be called the Holy Son of God. Now, I'm not sure that the angel saying that explained much of how this was going to work. I'm not sure Mary got that then, but I can almost tell you for sure she got the who. And just in case her eyes were rolling back just a little bit, I love what the angel adds. Oh, and by the way, remember Elizabeth, your aunt? The one who couldn't have children? Well, she's pregnant. Six months worth. And she's going to have a baby. And he ends by saying this, Mary, you may not know the how, but with God, nothing is impossible. And then heaven waits for a response. Heaven always waits for a response. 
And for the moment, I wish we didn't know what it was. <laughs> because I know we have sung this story, and we have preached this story, and we have told this story. We have Christmas carded this story to the point that I think a lot of the wonder and amazement has been lost in it. Because nothing this angel has said is reasonable, nothing he said is practical, nothing he said is logical, and that's all right with Mary. Because reasonable isn't what matters most to Mary. Logical isn't what matters most to Mary. Practical is not what matters most to Mary. The only thing that matters to Mary is, is it theological? Is theos, is God in this? If God is in this logically, then it makes great sense. And so here's what she ends with. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your will. Wow. Maybe it's because I spent so much time with this text over the last couple of weeks that Mary's response stuns me, but I'm telling you, church, it still does. Mary believed that what didn't exist can exist simply because she knows God exists. And that was irresistible to him. It's his weak spot. He always finds that stuff irresistible. Now, my worry is, is in connecting the word irresistible to faith, that maybe, some way, somehow, that you'll confuse that with thinking that faith, being irresistible, is also optional. Uh-uh. Not for Christians. The Hebrew writer says, God expects faith to be typical of his followers. As a matter of fact, he's going to go on to say, if you want to find favor in his sight, if you want to be pleasing to him, if you want to be nearer to God this next year than you were this last year, it is essential that you live by faith. Listen to the text, Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Question. Does that describe you? I hope it does. But if it doesn't, my prayer has been all week long. Please, let this be the day that you do something about that, that you act on that. I have to believe that God has made it possible for some of you to be here on this specific day to hear this specific message, even from this specific vessel. Because he desperately hopes you'll listen today. That you'll listen to what he's calling you to do in your marriage. That you'll listen to what he's inviting you to do with his money. That you'll listen to what he's challenging you to do in that ministry right outside your back door. That you'll listen to what he's desiring to do for your family, finally. That you won't trust in what exists, you'll believe in what doesn't exist because there is a God who exists. And you'll do something, finally, and move in faith and see what he can do. I know it's impossible looking, but with God, say it with me, church, all things are possible. One more time. With God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? Oh, that's irresistible stuff. He loves that stuff. You say, well, Jimmy, where do you get faith like that? Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, Paul says, for faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. For Mary in her synagogue and in her home, The great stories of faith contained in this book stirred faith in her heart. (laughs) 
others who believe that what is impossible with man can be possible with God helped her believe that the same thing could be true for her. She grew up hearing stories about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three bold Hebrew boys who refused to compromise their faith by worshiping a king under which they served. Serve him, yes, worship him, no way. And when push came to shove with that, they shoved those three boys into a blast furnace. Do you remember the story? And the throwers in burned up instantly, and the thrower ease stayed alive. They stayed alive, and they walked around in there for a while, but they didn't walk alone because there wasn't just three people in there as the folks noticed inside. There was how many? Four. One like a son of man was walking around in there with these three Hebrew young men. I told you, face is weak spot. He couldn't stand not being in there with them. He had to get in there on that because he loves that stuff. And Mary cut her teeth on those stories, on all of her ancestors, the, the Daniels and the Noahs and the Davids and the Abrahams, all of those great men of faith. But I have to believe that when she heard the stories of the great women of faith, her ears had to perk up. And she listened even more intently. The great stories of Queen Esther and her death-defying act of faith that saved the nation from genocide. The stories of Hannah and her own miraculous birth. The story of Ruth and Rahab's faith. She listened, I have to believe, more intently to those stories than any other. And what do you think happened in her heart when she hears, not just from Scripture, but from this angel before her, that not just in a book, but in her very own family, God's doing the impossible. Her aunt Elizabeth? <laughs> aunt Elizabeth? Six months pregnant? Must be... God, at work, in her to do what she couldn't do on her own. And Mary said, count me in. I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be as you say. And the woman's faith changed the world. God's not satisfied with that. He wants to change the world through you, church, in your faith. He'd like to have some room, just a little room to work in us, to work through us, to change a world around us. Because don't you understand that long before Mary ever prepared a manger for her son to lie in, the Lord was preparing a heart to be full of faith. She was pregnant with faith in her heart long before her womb was ever pregnant with the Son of God. Her heart was the Lord's Bethlehem. He'd like to have room in your inn. Will you make room? He'd like for us to not just stop at making room to get into the family. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Saving faith is important, but a broken world out there needs more than just us being thrilled about our saving faith. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, make no bones about it. The Bible says, for by grace you were saved through faith. It can only happen through faith. And man, it takes faith to believe that, that Jesus came and was born of a virgin and that he walked around in this temptation-filled, war-torn world and never sinned and was able to become the sin debt for me on a cross. And three days later, God raised him from the dead so that he might be king of kings and lord of lords and that one day he will come out of those clouds, split them wide open, and take us home. That's good news. But it's crazy. It's illogical. 
It's not very practical. It's not reasonable. Oh, but it is theological. Amen? God's in all of that, and I believe it. And when we do believe it, God comes running because it's irresistible, and he takes sinners and turns them into saints, and he takes enemies and turns them into friends every single time. But he doesn't want us to stop there, not just get saved by our faith. He wants us to walk in faith. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, he says, The righteous will live by faith, not by sight. I confess right here in front of every single one of you, most of my Christian life I've been too much a sightseer and not a true believer. He needs us sightseers to repent and to start walking by faith. So come on. Come on. <laughs> Where's your faith leading you? Where is it taking you? Is it taking you any place where unless God shows up, we fail miserably? Then don't call it faith. Call it practical, call it reasonable, call it logical, but don't call it faith because there's got to be an element of risk there that it could fail for it to be called faith. So come on. What is it that he brought you here today to stir in your heart, to get busy with, that only could be accomplished because he's in it with you? I know it may look impossible, but come on. With God, all things are possible. Amen? Amen? All of it's possible. So come on. But I warn you, if you do come on, you may get labeled as unreasonable. You may get labeled as impractical. You may get labeled as illogical. But I can promise you this. God already has a label for you. It is this. Irresistible. You say, well, Jimmy, how do you know that? Because faith is his weak spot. And the church said, 